Welcome to Inspired Men Talk, four solution-focused therapists born in four different decades who openly and honestly discuss their perspective on the issues surrounding men's mental health. The things that stigma says we don't talk about. Today, we're talking about win at all costs versus everyone's a winner. We're very lucky to have a very special guest with us, uh, Jamie, who runs Inspired Martial Arts and teaches people of all ages to defend themselves and, uh, and look after themselves. So, Jamie, welcome. Thank you for joining us. Hi. And uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do. Um, you said, like you said, I um, run and own Inspired Martial Arts, which teaches um, kids from two, three years old up to um, adults. We've got 50 year plus aged people as well. Um, lots of lady classes, uh, ladies only classes. Um, but our main part of the business is doing children's classes. That's where the core is for us. Um, building confidence and um, discipline, focus. We have like five points of star. We build a big culture around around that to help them develop as people. And we have a lot of young leaders who then start leading in classes. So we teach them to lead at a, a young age as well. I started doing martial arts when I was six years old. I was a black belt at 10, British champion, European champion. I just won a world championships last couple of weeks ago. Congratulations. Um, and I'm a massive sports fan, also played rugby most of my life. So yeah, I'm really excited to be here to talk about this subject. Fantastic. Thank you. So as someone who has clearly succeeded in sports and has uh, in multiple sports, in fact, what is your opinion on is it OK to win at all costs or should it be more along the lines of participation awards for participation awards for everyone who takes part? What's your view? So for me, there's a, quite a lot of levels and I've um learn along the way especially having a martial arts club of seeing so many different children come through me myself i have a real deep desire to win at all costs and if like even at the world championships i entered two categories and i used one as a bit of a warm-up to my main one and i was like i'm not too bothered there's someone else from my club in it and i said if i go against them i might let you know if i am winning by a lot i might kind of step out or let him win just so he gets a better experience i don't need to do this anymore more warm-up and stuff he lost uh, but i started losing my fight to someone else and i had the anger coming in to me and my coach was like come on and i then lost my head and lost it and i threw my gum shield across the mat and then the ref who i know quite well she was like i thought you didn't want to win this one you know a bit different on the mat isn't it i was like yeah really is you know i just little things like my sister did martial arts when we were younger as well and she was a really good champion i came second quite a lot as a kid and obviously bothered me but i kept getting better but i got more competitive because she would say things like second is first loser you know so it yeah. drove me so I, I can't have that in my head i'm like if i go back and say i've got second she's going to be like oh yeah you're the first loser can't be happy with that even at a world championship level but I can't instill that into my kids that I teach because I think that's the wrong attitude. And then I was a little bit ashamed that my kids had seen me act like that. And then I, I was very respectful to my opponent. I never disrespected them because that's a big part for me as well. Because I think some people who need to win at all costs then get disrespectful to their opponents or their other teams. Yeah. I was just upset in myself. I still showed him lots of respect and congratulated him and was a good loser and also I'm a good winner when I win I don't go around rubbing it in the face because to me martial arts is about that respect as well but yeah. I don't want to teach that too much of a anger passion for winning in a lot of the kids I think they need to learn it in a much more structured way you know and I do believe there should be some sort of participate participation level because there needs to be a stepping stone for them to if they go away with nothing they won't might not do anything in the sport again because they lost and they you know yeah. then don't get anything whereas if they get you know you've stepped onto the mats or you've 
had the courage to do something, you should be rewarded. Winning is just stepping on the mat. When the kid loses, the first bit of advice we give him is, you won by just stepping on the mat. Sure. You know, most people wouldn't even be brave enough to do that. Yeah. You know, so they need to be rewarded for that. But I also tell them it's okay to be upset for losing because we want to be one. You now know what it means to win. You know, to, you need, you know, you've got to put more work in to win because you don't want to feel like this again. So let's use it. And then, so we, we need to ignite that passion and make it a good path for them to learn how to win. Yeah. You know? nice. And if you then get the people who are bad winners, I really also explain you can't you know when you lose would you like it if somebody did that to you um and things like that so there has to be a real progression and obviously with parents involved you get a lot of different opinions on it and most of the time if their kids winning they're okay but as soon as they lose all of a sudden it shouldn't be that way it should be a competition where it's fair or yeah it's the same thing so it's a lot of things no, and it, and you've raised a really interesting point about being a good winner or a bad winner. But before I kind of address that, Ben, what's your thoughts? Is everyone's a winner or win at all costs? And what's your experience? So I'm probably a little bit conflicted with it. I think, I, you know, everyone's a winner is great in some sense. It's good for encouraging people. But equally, you need to understand that we do lose. Uh, and, you know, if I think back to my time growing up uh, in my childhood, uh, I did martial, I did do jiu-jitsu as a kid, did my junior black belt, and I used to compete at events. Um, um, but I never got anything when I failed other than encouragement to go back on and learn from my mistakes. I didn't get any awards for that. I'd walk away empty-handed. And, I, you know, for me, the lesson, similar to playing a board game as a kid, you can't always win it. And you don't get anything for participating other than that encouragement. It's that positive reinforcement. Of saying okay you don't you know as long as you go in there and do your best and you you give it your best shot if it doesn't work out it's come back and try again and we'll work on the bits that you need to improve on but i never walked away with anything sort of representing me as participating or being the winner it was you didn't quite make it this time and whilst that's i mean i suppose it's a little bit cutthroat in some respects it definitely drove you to try any better try harder don't want to be in that position again yes i appreciate sometimes you flip it and it means people walk away and they don't come back but i suppose that's down to how you're nurtured how you're brought up and how that reinforcement is delivered to you how, how you're taught to accept it or to deal with it you know winning at all costs if i take that to a work kind of culture or you know if we take it to adult life it's good for healthy competition to one degree, but it can lead to you taking shortcuts or trying to do stuff to make sure you do win because you don't want to come in second base. If I relate it to work and uh, really simply a driving course, we used to have to compete to get a driving course in the police. It wasn't a given. And that meant that actually it could lead to people trying to only take certain types of calls so that they got the tick in the box to make them look good and sod everything else forget about what everything else is happening i'm only focusing on this because i know that those points are counted right yeah and then everybody else is left to pick up the pieces and pick up the work that you can't be asked to do because actually it doesn't give you the points and they suffer because of it so it, there's got to be a fine balance with it i think i think uh, massively around making sure that we do go back to sort of that roots when you grow up as a child of positive reinforcement, you fall off the bike, you get encouraged to get back on and kept try again, but you don't win anything for it other than you get some praise and some love. Um, yeah. You don't get a certificate or a medal. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, no, some some interesting points there. And Gary, um, looking at from kind of your perspective, because I think you and I are, are, are a little bit older and I don't know. I know when I was growing up, there were no participation awards. So what's it what was it like for you and what's your opinion on it well i think that's a really good point for start with there was no such thing as participation awards you either took part or you didn't and if you took part and it wasn't good enough then you didn't take part <laughs> again <laughs> you know you were judged by what you could deliver and if you couldn't deliver they moved on to the next one so it was really cutthroat i guess um 
I'm ex-military, you had to get up to a standard of fitness. You had to be able to shoot into a certain, you know, standard. You, because the standard was important. Um, and in later life, that then gave me a benchmark of what I could achieve and I couldn't achieve and what was worth or important to go for. Where, you know, I think the participation would have enabled me to be just enough and never push myself so but i know lots of people you know all these conversations make me just instantly think back to moments i remember when the day i joined the air force within 24 hours two people had left and within the first week 10% of the people who had joined up and all they'd ever wanted to do and had done all the tests and that to join the Air Force, it was too much and they'd left yeah. where that was obviously really difficult for them. Um, but they had to work that out for themselves and it was too much. But would a partitionable just be here anyway? Would, would that help? I don't know. So I, I, I see people now expecting a lot more for a lot less you know you you don't have to try so hard now to get what you want where before whatever you wanted you had to work hard to get or you didn't get it yeah. so you know i don't know whether i 100 percent agree with it jamie made some really good points which i hadn't even considered um but um yeah in my experience um if you just took part you didn't really have any ambition and they yeah. were connected yeah no, and I, I wasn't i wasn't a sportsman i wasn't a sportsman so i quite often didn't take part i found something else but then i found what i was good at and i think that's the difference not winning at everything winning at what isn't your is your thing yeah not being pigeonholed and you have to be good at this otherwise you're not good yeah. But I think that's the difference. Everyone needs to be a winner at their thing. Yes. No, it's a very valid point. And and one of the things that you said there that I really liked, I, I have a number of first loser awards for Paul. Thank you for that new phrase. Um, <laughs> and I always remember I, I lost in one particular competition and it made me want to go away, practice harder. And then the next competition, the person that had beaten me in the final, I managed to beat them so yeah from my perspective i wanted to to improve um so that competition really helped me and chris for you what's what's it been like is it uh win at all costs or get the get an award for being there um so i'd say i didn't really know where i stood on this one to start with when we joined this when we started the conversation um i've never been a particularly sporty type person um i've never done much in the way of competing when i was younger um because all there was was sports days or physical events that you could part that you could do to win trophies and to win medals and that wasn't my cup of tea so i would have quite often been the kid that was forced to do the cross country and maybe got that participation award and for me the participation award didn't mean anything everyone gets one so it doesn't it's almost a, it doesn't mean anything to me and that's my experience of it i wouldn't say it makes you made me feel entitled it wouldn't make me feel special because you because everybody gets it it's almost it's almost a sticker for saying well done you didn't win if as, as far as i was concerned you know and I, you it was almost a shame thing to wear that it wasn't a good feeling when you got a participation sticker because i was of the generation where you did get those yeah. No, in sports day, you got a sticker even if you came last in the sack race. So would you also have got a sticker if you come first, which just said participation? No, you would have got the first place sticker. Would you? Cause yeah, yeah, yeah. When I was got, yeah, because I just wondered whether you won and you didn't get anything except participation, whether it didn't mean anything then because nobody cared that you won. But that's what happened with Olivia at her sports day. She came first in a few races and she got the same stickers as everyone else. So then she didn't want to talk about it. The only bragging rights she had and used was she beat all the boys. But there now she's not interested in racing. Whereas I think if she got maybe 
a first place medal and got highlighted, she might then take up running and want to be a sprinter. Now she's got no ambition. Absolutely. So, like I said, the participation award doesn't give anything. Um, I mean, I wasn't talking <clears throat> that everybody got that. I mean, you'd still get your first, second and third, but then everybody else just got a well done for trying. And, but, and with that, can I just jump in and ask you a question? As a, as a father and as a parent, because I, I don't have kids, what happens now and how do you respond? Do you do you encourage your children to be first, second, third, or are you happy that they just participate? Well, that's a really good question, actually, because um, my daughter um, has done martial arts. Um, she's not currently doing it. She went to martial arts. She did a few competitions. She was never a first place winner. Um, she quite often came second, third, um, but she got her trophies and she's very proud of them. And I would never discourage those. You know, I would never like do the whole second place, first loser speech with her. And um, that's not how I parent, you know. So she's very proud of them um, trophies. And I, I'm, it's not, I would never discourage. Um, being proud of just like Jamie said, walking onto the mat, you know, I would always encourage that. I think that is a good, and I think that's what it all comes around to is the culture of competition rather than the fact of winning or participating or everything in between. I think it's more the culture around it. That's important. What, what about the way self, you do that? Sorry. What about yeah. self competition? Um, like today, um it's gcse results day so those teenagers have been competing against themselves really and will get judged scored marked on their talent or their effort if they get a really poor result should they be admonished for that or if they get a good result should you be proud or should you just be proud that they took the exam christopher well uh, that's a tricky one i think when you're talking competitive when it comes to exams from my experience the only people i got competitive with was my siblings i wanted to compare with them i didn't compare with the rest of the school but i did compare with my family i did compare with what my older siblings got in their gcse results and that was where the competitiveness was for me um with my kids eventually getting to that stage yeah, I, I don't know. It's that's it, if you look at it in a competitive light, then it is. There's a lot of pressure on them, isn't there? There's it's you get graded regardless of how well you do, but the grade reflects that. So it's not a participation award such. You're going to be graded in reflection of your performance. And it's something that I want to say just here is that no matter what your grades are, they mean nothing for your later life right? I mean, I did not do very, very well in school. And yet, I've got a good job. I'm very happy in my life. And I look back and say, those grades mean nothing. So if you didn't have a good results, don't worry, your life is still on track. But I agree with that, because I haven't got amazing results. And I didn't use them to take it any further. But I do put down a lot of my success in my businesses to the fact of my martial arts training to make me competitive. I then put that into my business, which has made me successful. Without my martial arts, I don't think I would have been a success that I am. So, yeah, I think it goes back to the culture around the competition. So, if you put the if you put exams into a competition culture, it's not a great platform for competition, is it? Let's face it. But then, if you the way Jamie approaches his students for participating in a competition, they're not getting everybody's not getting the same trophy just for turning up no matter where you come but the people that participated are being given that fulfillment for participating so it's all about the culture around competition i think so i want to i'll thank you for that it's, that's been very interesting i want to move on a little bit because we we have a limited amount of time um and one of my favorite quotes or or, or things that i've learned is that of the last 20 people to break the 100 meters world record 11 of them were taking performance enhancing drugs and the other nine were usain bolt so my question to you jamie is do you think performance enhancing drugs should be allowed to help performance no 
um, I'm quite strong on any drug taking type styles, especially performing, because if you're not got the, they're not willing to do what it takes to be better properly. They're just taking shortcuts to win. So they've got the competitiveness to win at all costs, which is different to doing what it takes to win. And that's what you need to be able to teach um, people like I came third last year in the world championships. So I hung my medal up. That to me is a participation medal. You did well. Great. You turned up for that. I hung it up in my office and I've been staring at it for a year because I know next time I go, I ain't getting that. I'm going to get the next one higher or the higher, you know, the gold. And that's what I do. But I'm not going to take a drug to do it if I can't do it properly. You know, I, it, it, it would degrade what that means. And even if no one found out, you know, deep down, I'd know I'm a fraud. Is that any form of cheating? Because yes, drug enhancement, people can't necessarily see that it gives you an edge, but what about other formats of cheating? I mean, you have full blown, full blown cheating as that is. And then there's gamemanship. I would take the gamemanship to the highest level I could without cheating. And a lot of people would say some of that would be cheating, but you know, in the last seconds of, of, of my, one of my fights, I was one point ahead and, you know, I, instead of engaging in the fight, I moved off and stepped off the mat or moved around the mat. So they couldn't use them last few seconds to get me. And it was no chance, you know, and so you that's, have, you that's know, time wasted. Yeah, and you could, be, you could be penalised in that with that, but you've got to play the game, otherwise it's cheating, you know, and you've got to do it the right way. But if it was a boxer putting weights in his gloves, That's or a horse, not, yeah. you know, a horse rider, you know, putting the wrong food or making a horse drink who's not your horse before the race, whatever it might be. Yeah, that's cheating, and that's going past the point of doing it for yourself. Okay, so um, you're you're changing the game. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I think that's I think that's a fair point. I think we we might all be on the same length, but let's go around the room. Ben, what's your thoughts on that? You know. We're talking heavily about sports here, and I think I have to agree with what Jamie said, you know. You, you've got to put your effort in, you've got to put the graft in to be that good, to win. And if you cheat and use performance enhancing drugs, well then you ain't the same level. You, you haven't put the graft in and, you you know, you, you're taking the mickey, really. It isn't fair. It devalues the effort and the hard work that people do put in. And I, I can transfer that kind of out of sports and I can transfer that to studying. And if I take that to doing exams or portfolios and I bring in AI into the mix, is that as good as someone who spent hours doing all their research and putting their every inch of their life and hours that they've got available into finding their answers and solutions equal to someone who sits there and says to a chatbot, write me an essay on mental health. Or for me, using AI and doing that's cheating. You're not at the same level. You don't have the same, you haven't put the same effort and graft in to get to that destination. And it shouldn't be allowed. You know, put the work in. I like that. And I like the fact about AI uh, and, and talking about that because that is very topical for now. And maybe that's something that we can talk about separately. Gary, your thoughts on this? Well, I'm just going to follow up on that. So I use AI, oh, and I'm also studying for um, about to write a dissertation, and it's where it's useful and not. I would never use AI to do anything with my studying because I know if I'd used AI, it might do a better job than me. However, I wouldn't know. I wouldn't have learned anything. I'd not be a better human being. I wouldn't be more intelligent. I wouldn't have more, you know, whatever depth of knowledge. However, I've got dyslexia. So I use um, a program, which is clearly AI, to help me with my grammar and my spelling, which is a support. So I think it's about a bit like stepping off the mat or kicking them all out of play to waste a bit of time and actually changing the game to win and i think you see it in corporates a lot where you get people getting people purposely in trouble so they don't get promoted over them so you know you see people you know cheating in life 
compared to um, just doing the very, their very best. And I think that's life a little bit, and I don't like it, but it's become part of human culture, really. So it's a bit here and there. And Chris, your thoughts? Um, yeah, I mean, obviously, we start talking about going to the levels of taking in enhancing drugs. Absolutely, we can all agree. It devalues the win, if it ever was a win. And same goes for the the serious cheating, using AI, using anything like that. And we are talking sport heavy, like Ben said. So there is an element of playing within the limits of the rules, like Jamie was saying. And yeah. then there's stepping outside of that. And anybody who wins that way by stepping well out of those lines and cheating outright... The, the the I mean it's an old saying you're only cheating yourself but you really are the only thing you've won is that you didn't get caught and if that's what you were going for then great but it can't be a fulfilling moment for somebody who's used those methods but I mean take it even to a smaller scale if you're playing board game with the family if you take an extra twenty quid out of the monopoly bank when you shouldn't do I mean if you make the dice land on the number that you want it it's it, it all still takes away from the actual joy of winning it for real, doesn't it? You know, and I think that's what it's what competition is. But, but what if you're really so for? desperate to win or achieve something, and then you also believe that everyone else is doing it? That's what most of these Olympic athletes say: "Is well, I have to because they are." Yeah, so they believe it's that, still yeah. a level playing field because they believe that the others are still doing it. And the facts that you give on that 100 metres pretty much shows that. So yeah. does that still make it okay? No. But you can translate that instantly into any corporate job where it's dog-eat-dog. Dog. I've got to, if you can't beat them, join them. There's so many platitudes around it, you know. Um, it's really difficult to play fair in a Seems competitive like a world. Clause. Seems like a get-out clause, doesn't it? It does. And I think it's a, a moral issue. And for me, I find it like cheating and people who cheat. I, I find that to be a very moral issue. And I would rather like you, Jamie, I'd rather put my effort in, hold up my third place medal and say, right, next year I'm getting my second place medal. Um, but then I, I think I'm quite a moral person in that respect. I mean, I think we all hold ourselves in that moral sphere, if you like. But I suppose if you look at it from... Um, a different perspective so from the mental health perspective of win at all costs if you're an athlete and you are being driven every single day this is your day job everybody is telling you win at all costs it's the gold medal it's and this is where you've got to be that has got to have some impact on their mental health and therefore that's when they can't start coming out with the excuses of well i'll have to take the drugs like everybody else otherwise i'm never going to get to that level and everybody else is they start making up the excuses because of the negative impact i think win at all cost creates for people i think right. it is a negative impact on people's mental health i think that can be seen in you know that can be seen on a national international level when you look at like the olympics and countries place a huge amount of pressure on their person who's competing and representing them to the point where you know potentially they if they don't come home as a winner don't come home at all or they put if that you, on themselves welcome. or they put that pressure on their on their own heads uh, victoria peddleton or um however you say her name she um she says about it because she's really suffers with her mental health so badly because it was win at all costs for her. She did it clean, but did she? Because the the mental stress she's put on herself is pretty much broken her. Is it worth winning a world championship or Olympic medal? And and that's a great question because that kind of leads really nicely into the next question that that I ask you. You train children, and you've been doing it for a while now. I believe is that right? Yeah. So how does that pressure of like win at all costs affect people as they're growing up have you seen that impact some of um, the students yeah well i saw i think i saw an impact on me um because i did it at a young age and my instructor was a very tough instructor 
you know, he beasted us, he called us names, he degraded us to win. And I wasn't much, I was good martial artist and I wasn't a great winner until he started training me. And then I got the a bit more of a bite, a bit more competitive. I trained hard, 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 got, you know, but then when I went to secondary school and thinking, even though I was a really good fighter and, and tough and, you know, played rugby, you know, I can't feel pain, you know, and all that sort of stuff. I had no confidence, none, you know, like really shy. Uh, you know, even now I'm quite shy in a lot of um, things, even coming on air, I was like struggling, you know. So when I developed my martial arts, that's what it was about. So I actually didn't take for the first eight years of training my club. I never took them to national competitions. We, I, I wasn't about that. It was about growing their confidence, growing them as leaders, growing them as people, building the competitiveness which is needed the right way and it's not win at all costs it's do your best to win if you don't win work harder the right way and you know and find your passion you know some some of you are talking about obviously in the forces there's people giving up or getting a partisan medal but you didn't care because you didn't even want to do it in the first place well these people it's that's a slightly different subject to me because these are people who are trying to compete who do want it so a participant medal does mean something to them it's a stepping stone if i didn't want to do something and i got a participant everyone got a medal or whatever it didn't it won't mean anything because you don't want to do it anyway yeah so you need to build the stepping stones for them to get there and teach them how to handle that and now we take kids to the world championships, British championships, and they do it. It's still hard. They put a lot of pressure. Some of them have had to have one young girl. She's taking a break because the pressure she's putting herself of doing it. I said, you stop coming to competitions, start doing the martial arts properly, the back to step, build up your confidence. And then if you want to come back into it, to competitions, do it again. But winning, and she was winning, but that was too much pressure. And it, she needed to build a more resilience up around that first. And yeah, it's about right. building resilience more than win at all costs. Yeah, it's strange. The more that you win, the more kind of pressure you can put upon yourself. Yeah. and You don't think, want to lose. It's harder yeah. to lose something you've got. Cool. Gary? Just picking up on that, you, you know, there is a lot of pressure people put on themselves but as chris have said earlier about professional athletes they, they you know i think ben said as well there's a lot of expectation on them but you're dealing with youngsters children young adults how much pressure do you think is imposed on them by their parents and if it's not directly they might impose it themselves because they don't want to let you as a sensei or let their parents down who's invested time and money to get them to that point so their pressure is actually not wanting to fail for other people yeah. um that's a, it's a good point because um the young girl was talking about she's about nine and she won championships last year uh, a few uh, about six months ago she won seven gold medals you know she was a, one of the number one medalist that on that comp in the co last competition and then she's she was turning around to her mum said she didn't want it and i could see how angry her dad was getting and why she weren't doing the fight class why did and i was like she's putting too much pressure on and she she lost a couple in, in a different competition and against a really good fighter and got really destroyed if you like in the sense of lo the lost badly so then she was like felt that but then didn't want to let everyone down including me and my parents of losing or not doing it and i just said to him stop she just needs to calm it down go back to think and then i said just go and enjoy it that's why you do it because you enjoy it everyone starts sports or finds a sport because they enjoy doing it then they become a winner or want to become a winner but first and foremost i played rugby and did martial arts because i enjoyed it so she's now enjoying it again she'll come back and compete when she's ready because she's got the love. You can destroy the love of something by being too competitive. And I think that's also what people need to, you know, I, I bet if you ask Steve Redgrave, if you're getting a rowing boat, why? I bet he hates it. I bet he wouldn't <laughs> even want to do it again because it, it creates that. 
yeah, he famously, after I think his third gold medal, said, you can shoot me if you see me getting in yeah. a rowing boat. And yeah, he did go back and get his fourth. So, hmm. yeah, that's the passion, yeah. <laughs> ben, if I can maybe just slightly amend the question for, for us as non-sports people, how do you feel that the pressure to succeed... So you you talked a little bit about people not taking specific phone calls or specific jobs to get the driving calls. Were there things when you were in the police force that you saw that pressure to succeed or get promotion or get a course affected the well-being of officers as they progressed through their career? Yeah, it affected my well-being, hundred percent. You know the the pressure uh, I I had to succeed in being accepted on a national fast track promotion scheme and not failing and succeeding in that was all what I applied on myself. I could not fail because I was not going back to work being that person that didn't make it, you know, and in what all the ridicule that would have come from that. Oh yeah. We should have gone in the first place. He wasn't capable of doing it. And partly that comes, I guess, you know, linking that back to what we talked about earlier. I left school with no real GCSEs at all. And I, I distinctly remember when I joined the police, looking at those promotion schemes, it was like, do you have a degree? No. Oh, you can't do it then. That opened up internally and said you could do it without a degree. So for me, the pressure I placed on myself was that I'm going to prove to all of you that all of you, particularly with those degrees, you think you're all fancy and nice, it's irrelevant. Yeah. If you can do the job, if you put the grafting and the work and the effort, that's what's relevant. And I know I can do a bloody good job. I can do fat. I'll do it 10 times better than what you do it because I'll work hard at it. And where I'm, I, I fall down in elements, I'll do everything I can to develop that area but and boost I, myself. But I think that's a good attitude to have. And I wish some of the young people I employ had a bit more of that in them. I guess that but, comes down to that, that bigger question, doesn't it? You know, is this everyone's a winner culture? that encourages participation in children actually keeping them from learning that important lesson in life that if you lose that's not a bad thing either it just means you've got to use that as a development tool it's part of human experience whereas at the moment if you lose it's oh well never mind no it's very valid yeah and gary your thoughts well i'm just wondering if the answer to that is a lack of consequence when, when i was young if we lost, we lost, and therefore you lost everything that went with it. You know, it there was a level of consequence, nothing big necessarily, but you couldn't just move on. It's like, well, I can't do that now. I'm going to have to find something else to do. Where I wonder now with a lot of the younger people who've not had to go through that learning process of winning, losing, building resilience, where now if I lose, it's like, well, why did I lose? What can I do differently to improve it? How do I push through, push on and push up? If I could just go, oh, well, it doesn't matter. Nothing will change. Yeah. I don't ever have to be good at anything because somebody's going to provide for me. So I'm just wondering, you know, if that then when nobody's there to provide, what happens? Do I just crumble? And I think that's what's happening a lot. I think it comes to like when some of our fighters and people lose and if you don't do well in your GCSEs, like some people, people, your first thing is, well, it's learning. You Now you've lost, you learn, you actually learn more when you lose. That's a lot of something I've always believed in. But so we try and tell that to the, the kids, you know, you, you won't learn unless you lose sometimes. It's good to lose because now next time you will know what to do. But then they watch things like Anthony Joshua, and when he loses, he gets absolutely destroyed for losing. His career is over. So they see that on their role models and then can't put the two together. So sometimes the work we do and gets undone, even at that level, even if it is a participation and you believe in that, it gets undone by some things like that. So how do we tie that up? No, it's a good point. And, and Chris, um, from, from two perspectives, right? Um, one, how does the, the pressure to succeed affect well-being in later life? How did it affect for you? And what about, and, and how is it impacting with your kids at the moment? Because, like, again, I'm sorry for picking on you about the kids. but No, no, absolutely. So 
while you're all talking about your points, it kind of made me think about a few things. I mean, we're talking about a lot about sport because I think that's where the mentality goes when you start talking about winning and losing. It goes around sports. I mean, we've got a sportsman on and that's where the mentality goes. But from when you look at it in a different aspects like Ben did from a workspace. So I've worked in retail jobs. I've worked in jobs where the NPS scores are very important to the company. And they turn that into a competitive game. You know, they they goals and targets kind of turn into a competitive game amongst all the other staff. And with that comes a lot of stress and becomes a lot of, okay, now I need to be the best one. Otherwise I'm not going to be seen as a good employee. And therefore not valued a valuable employee and therefore i may not i'm i'm going to be the first out the door if they need to get rid of somebody so it creates a lot of stress just like it does in sports you have to get up that ladder and you have to be there um and again that may be something you're putting on yourself it may be the environment but it it, it goes through into the workspace as well so i think there's a level of competition is really good thing to have it certainly drives business for a business owner but you need to have the culture around it right so that it doesn't affect overstress and create anxiety for the people that are participating in the competition. Um, as for the kids nowadays, like Jamie said, his daughter got a participation sticker for coming first. Mm. So that's, that's wrong as far as I'm concerned. You should be celebrated for winning. I wasn't good at sports day. They were the worst day of the school year for me. Sports day was not my best day. And you discover what you're not good at, which I think is just as important as discovering is what you are good at. I knew I wasn't good at sport. I knew I was never going to get the first, second. I got the participation sticker quite a lot. And learning that you're not good at something is important because if you all got that participation sticker and I got the same sticker as the guy who ran the fastest, does that mean that, all right, I might now follow a career in sprinting even though i came seventh because you can't understand the balance of i wasn't as good as the other people you know i do think like i said we've gone very sport oriented because that's the mindset i do think that there's space for particularly young people i think there should be more space for my children some of my kids are a bit more sporty than others and i think there should be more space for them to be able to achieve a first place in a different area so don't give everybody participation stickers. Give everybody the space where they can win, I think, is more important. Or achieve, at least. I think that's Not, more of an important thing to go for. I really like the whole taking it to stress and sales targets because, yeah, I've done a few sales jobs and it was very much you're competing with everybody else and if you don't hit targets, you'll lose your job. And and that had a really kind of negative, uh, negative impact when you're doing those kind of jobs. And... Ben, I think you've you want to kind of just bring a point in there on that. Yeah, I mean, as I say, you know, we look at that. If you look at how how the brain responds to stress, how do we deal with it? We have good stress, don't we? And you know, good stress is that healthy competition when it's in the right balance, and or when we do something that perhaps you know is like an extreme sport or going on a roller coaster, we get stressed, and that's good. But if we have too much stress, then it becomes bad. And when we start to see, like you're talking about telesales, we get that prolonged exposure that if I don't do this, I'm a failure. And we start to stress ourselves out. And that ultimately leads to us being broken. That leads to us suffering those negative outcomes where actually we can end up with depression or anxiety and it overwhelms us. And as we mentioned in that extreme side of when you're competing for world olympic medals world titles again if if you're not got the right support package around you and you haven't got the the right mechanisms in place it breaks people yeah. yeah but then should we be celebrating all these people that are coming to work who are working in sales just for turning up that's no. that you know you know so that there has to be a balance yeah maybe some of them should lose a job maybe they're not very good at sales so again it's finding out what you're not good at it's it, there's it's very hard to determine what's right and wrong in it yeah but for me that the, there's a missing word and all of that and that's acceptance so connecting the good stress and the bad stress finding what you're good at and you know and what you're not good at you've got to accept it so if you have to do sports day you hate sports day you come near last or last in a race and you get a participation medal 
do you accept that you're not good at it? And what if you aren't told to accept that you're rubbish at it, but there's a participation medal? So you're not encouraged to look for what you can do. You just have to get stressed because you're not as good as the other people in your year group because you've took part, but you've seen them be better than you. But you haven't been taught how to accept that good and bad so then when you go into later life and you get a job because it's the only one available in sales and then you get binned after two weeks because you can't sell you don't know how to cope with that rejection because you've never known how to accept what you're good at or bad at you've just been told well done take part goodbye it, i think that's a good point because um what I do with a lot of my kids, we, with the younger ones, we do this thing called battles, and they're like two soft sticks. We use them to practice blocking, but we make them go against each other and practice. Well, when they're practicing and they're younger, I often, especially if one's better than the other, and he's, I, I pretend I don't see their points, or I just don't, and then I wait for the other one to get a point, and I make sure he gets it. So they get the taste of success, and then even sometimes make it manufacture it so they win. So it's all fair. Um, everyone's getting a taste of success because one of our points of the star is success. But just because they're not as good as someone else doesn't mean they shouldn't be able to feel it and achieve it. And then all of a sudden, we've had a few of them, people who weren't that good, and then they've become the best fighters or the best people because whereas if we just let them just get beat every time, they would never have the confidence to know how to get through it. So it's but it's having the ability to see that and do it the right way without manufacturing it the wrong way where they're getting a falsehood of winning and then they get beat badly in a real um, mm -hmm. sense in life or competition. And that I also just to flip on another point with the work and stuff. I think it had some uh, quite a lot of a negative effect on me of speed and trying to win in my jobs or doing stuff and, and then doing it too fast or too blinded by the wind. So then the quality is lost. And I couldn't understand it for a while until I watched a film called Jet Li Fearless. And he had this win at all costs and he was a winner and he was famous and everything. And then bad stuff happened and he, he went off to another part and he went to this farm in, in like the Chinese area and they planting, um, stuff in the water and he did he's so fast and he beat him all and he's there thinking he did it and the next day they're all dead and all the others had spent it doing it properly and they were all lovely flourishing and that made him understand you can't always bring the two together and you can learn and win other ways and i and i think you know that's a that's a valid lesson that you know you do things properly in order for things to grow and develop which is nice the last question that we ask our guests, and it's just something that seems to have happened, is there's a lot of things around people saying men don't talk. What are your thoughts, Jamie, on that as a saying? Do you think that men do talk or men don't talk? Um, from my personal experience and me, no, I don't talk. As much as ever, I'm obviously close to people who help in mental health and I've got a very close best friend who I could go to anytime, a very supporting wife, and I still don't talk. I just don't, and I don't want to. And there's no, and I don't think there's a lot what would get me talking. I think there, there is ways of doing it, but just saying you can talk, you can come and talk to me. I don't, for me, I don't, I don't think I would still be comfortable i don't know i just still want to be able to deal with it myself and and what about your friendship groups in general just as men in general so thank you for sharing about you in general do you find other people are comfortable talking or do you find not so much i think the message has worked um for people because i do get men coming to me and talking especially i think maybe because of the role i'm in as well and i do um, ask the if you ask the right questions I think they do talk but there are people who need other ways of of being helped and to get to talk yeah so in general I think it's people are more accepting of talking and, and men and they are but it not every personality type is that's brilliant 
thank you so much for your time with us today. It's been really fascinating learning about yourself and what you do and how you teach uh, the kids. If people want to get in touch with you, uh, are interested in taking up martial arts, how can they get in touch with you? Um, just inspiredmartialarts.co.uk. All the information's on there. Um, they can see, learn a bit about us and find the locations near them. Fantastic. Yeah, do you have any Instagram or Facebook or anything like that? Yep, same. Inspired Martial Arts on Facebook. Again, you know, um, they've got different areas. So if we can find an area or class near them um, and Insta Instagram's the same. Brilliant. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you very much. It's been really enlightening and really helpful understanding it from uh, a perspective of somebody who actually works in the industry of, of competition with youngsters. So thank you. Yeah, thank you very much, Jamie. And, you know, congratulations on achieving your title, world champion. Yeah, no, it's been really great. You've had some, again, really nice insights on the matter and it's been really great having you. Thank you very much. And from me, Peter, thank you for your time. It's been a genuine pleasure. Thank you for having me. It's been great. Uh, so join us for the next episode of Inspired Men Talk when we will be talking about another issue to do with men's mental health. Thank you for listening to the podcast that proves men do talk. If you would like more information or support, then please visit inspiredtochange.biz where you can learn more about us and the Inspired to Change team. And remember, the conversation continues on our social media, Inspired Men Talk.